Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the program. (laughs) The man that I plan to introduce is a superstar. I enjoy him so much. <laughs> well, hold on. I've got to find my notes. <laughs> oh, we're doing one of those days. Okay, okay here we go. <laughs> I'll cut all this out. <laughs> here we go. I got it. All right. In the realm of art, activism, and the written word, Mark Fishbein, the poet with the guitar, stands as a testament to the boundless creativity and unwavering dedication of a true artistic soul. Through journal articles, music, and his profound books we're going to talk about tonight, Mark has gifted the poetic world with thought-provoking insights and captivating melodies. His commitment to art, his commitment to art and poetry extends beyond his creations as he generously hosts weekly writers' workshops and spearheads the unique Zoom event, Planet Poetry 28. This monthly visual magazine invites poets from all over the world to perform their work, immersing audiences in a transformative experience for a glimpse into the captivating world of Mark Fishbein. I encourage you to visit his website, Poet with a guitar, prepare to be enthralled by the profound synergy of his words and his music as he invites a transformative journey through poetry. All right. <laughs> oh, Mark, what do you think? Wow. <laughs> Man, I'm not afraid of the moon. <laughs> All, I ne- <laughs> All I needed was my notes. <laughs> sure. All right. Let's begin this poetic journey. Oh, I didn't say hello to you. How are you, Mark? Oh yeah, just doing great. Thank you, and thank you, Michael, for having me here. <laughs> All right, fantastic. Mark, what is poetry? Um, you know, we were discussing um before, and I think this would probably work. Is that I I have like many of us, I have many. I'm a kaleidoscope of of poems and themes. I've got uh, 10 major, you know, themes that I'm working with, I guess, in life and 15 minor themes. And one of them is writing poems about what is poetry. Mm. And somehow, and the process of writing poetry. And I thought for this particular venue, it might be a good idea because poets are listening to this indeed and people interested in poetry. And I thought I could read for... Uh, sometime uh, just a variety of poems about this theme and then from there take the answer out of the poems and put it into uh, into our conversation how does that nice it sounds fantastic I want to ask you something else though before we move into your program why is poetry important why is it important that we do this why I need to know huh well, poetry as an art form, you know, goes back all the goes back to the ancient times. It's part of our it's part of a, a it's, it's part of our psyches. We we pick up with lullabies, and even if we're not attached to poetry, it's around us, and people respect it. You know, even mm-hmm. if they don't read poetry, they don't know anything about poetry. You talk about poet oh, it's like a philosopher or something, you know, something really cool that people do. And there's part of them, I think, that would like to be able to touch that universe, and hopefully one day they will. But it's important because it's a way, people sense it's a way of connecting with people, even if they catch their poetry through only lyrics and songs. Mm-hmm. To them, it's a poetry, and they connect. So it's a way of sharing, which is very, very unique, using words as opposed to sound and or color, you know, or yes. painting. And, and because the words carry such weight, you know, mm-hmm. in our minds. Mm-hmm. It becomes very important to our consciousnesses and our survival. Yes, very nice. 
everyone listening, I give you Mark Fischbein. Uh, well, thank you. Well, in this particular idea of, of uh, putting together a collection here of, of poems on poetry, I'll read the, the short introduction. In our modern tradition, if such a contradiction could exist, there happens other people be modern and traditional, but we always say that. Writing about poetry as a theme is up there with the major three you know, themes of the last hundreds of years, death, unrequited love, quitted love, and spring. We poets just can't help ourselves. We alone do this as artists. We emerge the reader into our process of writing what a poem is, what is poetry, and why it's important, and get ready for that M word, right, and what poetry means. It's a love-hate thing. But I have to ask, do people who are not poets get anything out of poems about writing poetry or even describe what poetry is? Poems which do honor other poets, poets that describe the agony and ecstasy of writing, poems about missing muses and writer's block, really, what a bore. But we poets, oh, we love it. We grok as if it's strangers in a strange land, the land of being a poet and of the universe of poetry in our time. So I forgave myself and decided to put together this little collection of poems uh, about poetry. need to get my fix every couple of years. They kind of add up over the years. And uh, so I'll ask your forgiveness, too, if you're not a poet. And if you are, hopefully you'll grok on what these poems are about. I'll start with a sonnet, a light sonnet called Sonnet to Self and Why Poetry with a Coda. Singers don't ask why they sing. Painters don't question their coloring. Dancers don't complain of pain. Composers don't make music from shame. But oh, the suffering we poets endure to craft a verse that is pure. How lonely is our chosen path. Tormented souls who swoon with wrath. Madness and suicide is our fate. So why do I commiserate? Poets are the lowest paid, mostly buried in pauper's graves. No one cares about how we take to flight. So shut up about it and just write. And then a little coda. Good luck with that. Notes from the poetry workshop holiday party. The marshmallows are vegan. The sassafras is hydroponic. The mushrooms are sauteed in cannabis and sunflower oils. The short ribs are tofu seasoned with lava salts. Please recycle your chopsticks. Lotus teas are served with honeycomb in cups modeled after ancient Mesopotamia. The poems are printed using a seaweed-based dye on elephant dung paper. Outside the window, two dogs have completed their smelling rituals and copulate freely. Put down the pen. The poetry begins. We Are Nobody, and this poem was prompted by a, a, uh, something in the New York Times, a response to the editor in the Times when asked why there was no poetry among the hundreds of books in the summer reading list. He said, because nobody reads it. You, nobody, reading this poem. I feel badly you're not there. Occasionally, I imagine you doing the dishes or watching porn a ghost with a joint or a bottle in hand, a suicidal snob quoting Petronius. All those books on your shelf are wanting in the rooms of Hugo's triggering town. If you're reading this poem, I pity you. You're practically six feet in the ground. And yet you read on, expecting something, something to take your invisible wings and make them flutter with sound. We can meet secretly at midnight, be lovers with groping tears. From one nobody to another, now is the time for our illicit affair. Poetry from the Tree of Despair. Again, you take a bite of the fruit from the Tree of Despair to be in that state of a drowning boat whose tiller palpitates in an ocean of grief to be alone with yourself, desperate to share the depth of it, 
wanting in your heart the full dead weight of sadness. This taste is always the same as you imagine as you spit out the seeds from an overripe pomegranate. It is a sensation with the complexity of rosehip wine and the bitterest herbs whose taste you like. But tell no one. Despair suits you. Milk it for all it's worth. Get high on it. You're addicted to the need to feel something, seeking the pulp that brews in you, passing the shelters of poverty and grit of those whose fate is endless tales of tragic repulsions. Don't deny that it's by the whip that creativity flows, this bleeding that urges you to your humanity. Um, should I read like three? Can I read like three or four more? Um, Michael? I'll assume so. Okay. Yes. Sure. Um, well, here's a lighter poem at the poetry lecture. And then he said, and I'm sure he was serious, you only get to use two exclamation points for all your poetry. I looked it up. This symbol was painted on the cave 50,000 years ago, a warning sign to watch for mammoths. But there's none in Latin, nor Mandarin, nor the Bible. Leave it to a poet, Colucio Salutati, to introduce it in 1339. By the way, centuries before the question mark. I grew up on the old typewriters. You had to hit the apostrophe key, backtrack, hit the period key to make it, or vice versa. A real commitment. But now, by the number one on the computer keyboard, I have hundreds of them scattered around. Therefore, I have been serving several life sentences as a poetry high-security penitentiary where I get to pace in the yard like a wild puma twice a day alone with a guard always watching me to be sure I can't find a way to kill myself. I keep asking, how can you write? Let there be light without an exclamation point. O oh, great one, who giveth us to name the universe, redeem me. As I rot away, my inquisitor has condemned me for writing in sin. I won't repent. My advice? Fuck them. Let there be light. Exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. Morning bath. I too dislike it from that very famous line by Marion Moore about poetry. Every day, mid-morning, I take a hot bath and read poetry. Not a warm bath, mind you. Hot. No soap bubbles. Mostly modern anthologies of editors' choices from our great institutions, our academic ars poeticas. I flip through the pages. I hate this stuff. I rip them from their bindings, looking for one, just one, to invite me in that I actually know what the fucking poem is about. What the poem is about. I'm not aware yet what this poem is about. At last, I shampoo my hair like Samson, as if the muses were courting their secret Delilahs. Why torture myself with these vague confessions, with words and images to haunt the life out of you? I even hate poems about hating poetry. But as soon as I get dry and sit by the fire, I get triggered to a rush of frenzy about changing seasons of coral reefs, the slavery of humanity's illusions, heaven and hell, and I remember a poem I once read which made my head spin, and God damn it, I start doing this again, trying to find the sweet spot between the being and the meaning. And um, I'll read perhaps two more. All right. Um, uh, here, here's, here's a recent one, actually. Affirmations to younger poets, as we'll discuss later. I'm, I'm a little older. I'm, I'm elderly, as they say now in, in post-COVID days. Once I told the world how to live and what to feel, I proclaimed to find the golden vein Nuggets the size of boulders. I just confirmed what I heard from Bibles or protest songs. You will find growing old 
it was mostly false gold, layered in cliché puppy loves, grief and pain from life's letdowns, or rages against the soul of power in the corrupt gods ruling paradise. Save it for the rock and roll. Do not preach in your poems from the soapbox of youth. This, my only preaching to you, in poetry, truth is metaphor, nothing more. And I will end with this. In the great poetry anthology, could it all be put in one song, one short ballad, to sing of the wilderness of cities and their tears, the indescribable finality of infinite galaxies? Praise she who shared my bed. Praise the years as I played the fiddle like a dizzy bird of paradise. Before I wear on your patience, I ask only this. Do not judge me from these words alone. If this is all that remains of me in some anthology, I need to feel you empathize. I lived in bliss. I kissed the soil, ate the figs, flew like a bird. Thank you. Incredible work. How would you describe your work, Mark? Uh, as a, as a, I'm a, I feel uh, I'm, so much of it is I'm a fractured collage. Okay. Uh, I think collage, collages, I mean, as per, you know, like Elliot first brought that out so well, you know, in, in, in Wasteland and all that is that today we're, we're collages. And um, I, don't, I never know what's going to come from a poem when I start to write it. I think Robert Frost said that as well. You know, you never you, you sit down to write a poem and something else comes from it. But I have so many different directions that I take, and each one is real, you know. Each one, each one seems sincere, just seems like a part of me. It's a schizophrenia, I guess, that poets uh, naturally have. Or I suppose composers too. You know, what is how does how do these people make this these these wonderful sounds? That how does Mahler make a symphony? You know, like, wow, <laughs> a different well, form. What do you write about? What is, are some of your predominant things? Um, the predominant things. Let's see. I'm writing. Uh, I'm writing a lot of baby poem, boomer poems and poems about aging. Mm-hmm. I I have a lot of ekphrastic work that I do. I have a a, a, a collection that I've, I've published on uh, paintings, but I also did one on monuments. And right now mm-hmm. I'm working on billboards and and wall graffiti in Chicago. Uh, I do a lot of a, a lot of poems about music, poems about nature, uh, sonnets. I write a lot of metaphysical poems. I have a collection called The Here Above, The Now Below. Um, and um, I also do translations. Um, I have a, tra- a the book of uh, Paul Elois that I've just translated, I'm trying to get published, Levi Mediat. And in smaller collections, I have poems about astronomy or disco or God and Ukraine poems and right. Venus and social. And it goes on and travel and stuff. And I also did the, the Trumpiest book, which was a political type of book, although I tried to create poetry as opposed to being any type of propaganda and, and stuff like that, to try to find metaphor and something other poetic within those four years. So mm-hmm. there's, um, there's a, I guess it's a, it's a kaleidoscope, you know? Well, before we focus on the book, please share with me an early experience where you learned that poetry had power. Huh. I think the earliest for me was I was about uh, 15 or six, maybe 16, 17 years old. And I was in um, Washington. I, I was in Central Park for a B-in. That was the early hippie stuff going on back then. And uh, I saw Allen Ginsberg read a poem, <laughs> read a poem uh, to a whole bunch of, to a whole crowd of uh, a stoned-out young hippies there. And uh, that's the first time the magic kind of got to me. I think. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was a long time ago. You know, 1967, <laughs> 1968, I was like a junior in high school or something. You know? Now, the selection process, how many how many poems did you choose from, you know, to put your book together? 
How does this one respond the, uh, to you? The Atticus book. The Trump Trump book? Yes, Trump. Oh, the Trump book was an unusual uh, was it was for me a, a, a first a first one of I mean shortly after the election yes. uh, when he won I I just started finding myself writing a poem every couple of weeks just about what was going on and and all that and finding different types of um, you know just uh, it, it just kind of venting but not really not only venting trying to put it in a historical and poetical thing and I found after the months were going on that I was it was becoming a collection so I decided to continue it. And tried mm-hmm. to get at least one poem a month in over those four-year periods of wow. either something specifically that happened uh, that could be spoken about, you know, like Melania, you know, walking out to, uh, you know, with her with her coach okay. saying, you know, I yes. don't care to you and all that, a little stuff like that, as well as the overriding, you know, the, oh, what was going on in America, what was going on racially, what was going on in America in every other way. And, it, mm-hmm. and, then, and then, of course, COVID came, and then after COVID came, all the rest of the craziness. So uh, it ended up to be about 50 or 60 poems, mm-hmm. uh, just each one almost like, I guess it's today's world, they might call it a chapbook type style, because it, it, right. it, it is dated. And what I try to do is to try to revise each poem each month so that I wouldn't have to come back to it to revise it again, try to keep the integrity of what I really felt at that time in history when COVID happened, when Trump was saying this or saying that and all the rest of the stuff that was going on. And mm-hmm. uh, so that was the nature of that book. It's a historical document to remind, to remind me what the, the sentiment that was, that was, that was the emotion that was going on during those four years and, and a little bit afterwards. So much happened. Uh, it's, it's almost surreal what happened those years. But I'm, oh. I'm wondering, I'm wondering, do you view yourself as more of a storyteller or wordsmith? Wordsmith. Tell in me. that, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I do. I do occasionally do narrative poems when I'm lucky enough to have a, a fresh narrative. Uh, but as um, uh, Paul Valery said, I think, and it stuck with me once, that the difference between prose and poetry is that prose has direction. It goes from A to B. You know, it, it usually goes, you know, has a, has a narrative it's telling, which poetry dances in place. Mm-hmm. And so it's a different mindset. And I so respect those few novelists that are also double, out, double as amazing poets. I mean, it's such a hard to do both. And so mm-hmm. uh, I've tried prose and I've tried narrative, and it just doesn't, it doesn't suit me. I'm forcing it. I'm, I'm, I'm dancing in place. I can't go from right. A to B. You know, as we think about poems, how does a poem know where to go? Do you lead or does the poem lead? Wow. How? Well, there's two, I think there's like, there's two ways, there's, there's, two, there's two things that happen in the, in the process of writing a poem, I suppose. One is that uh, the, the initial of just free association of a, mm-hmm. of a theme that might hit you. Mm-hmm. And which you have a certain um, a certain meaning comes through either in, by intent or you know just by coincidence that you realize yeah that's what I really want to feel that's what I've been feeling I haven't been able to figure it out mm-hmm. and then comes the revision and then comes the revision process and okay. like many poets I revise a lot okay. um, it's like a never it's a never ending process for me. Uh, mm-hmm. reading, reading uh, uh, and, and doing, uh, I did some workshops on revision and did a lot of research and there's all kinds of, a lot of poets talk about revision uh, and, and their work. It's a big subject amongst us. And uh, yes, I just find myself doing, yeah, 30 or 40 revisions on a poem easily, you know, but, as it, as usually, it works at every word, every touch. <laughs> sure. Usually I ask a question about uh, editing, but you shared your view on it. I'm wondering, you, your book, this particular one, Trumpius, is is about emotion, right? Emotion is in. Uh, it's both. It's also it's also about the philosophy, philosophy of history, um, and and soci and sociolo- so- sociological things going on and all the rest. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, emotion is there in the surrealist, you know, uh, mindset that we all were in at the time. Knowing what you know about the world, your lived experience, does it hurt you to write poetry? If not, why not? 
Oh. Oh, it's uh, no, it doesn't. No, no. I, I think it doesn't. No, it doesn't hurt me. To, that's an interesting question, Michael. Would be it requires some a little introspection. Um, I, I had a, I had a um, after after I retired uh, from mm-hmm. what I did. Uh, a, a little about my life, real quickly. Is you know, I graduated from from CCNY with a degree in literature. Went to Paris to go get a master's degree, uh, a maîtrise. Took me a year or two to get to the language. Then I was in the school, and the school shut down while I was uh, in the middle of my master's uh, program because of student riots that were happening back then in the, oh, wow. in the early seventies. And when when they reopened the school. Uh, the um, uh, they were asking foreign students to have to spend another year, year and a half getting equivalent courses, and I couldn't handle it financially or any other way. So I, I came back to New York. I actually became a musician for a couple of months, uh, joined the, the music union and played around. And then I got into some kind of an industry in screen printing. I was one of the earliest guys who was screen printing T-shirts and you know all that in in the uh, in, in the early se- in the mid seventies. And mm-hmm. so it was the right place at the right time, and I found a nice business, and I'm printing Mickey Mouse on T-shirts till the cows come home. <laughs> they can't get enough of it, and I'm one of the few guys in the country that know how to do this. So I had a, I had a, I had a 40-year run in the screen printing business, but I came back to poetry afterwards. Wow. Uh, which, I am at, which I am at now. It's like the springtime of poetry for my, in the autumn of my life, as it were. Mm-hmm. And, uh, did you, and like, did so you... I wanted to get back to the. So now getting back to the pain. So after, as soon as I got out of, uh, uh, I retired. I went mm-hmm. into poetry therapy. I went into bibliotherapy. Okay, it would be okay. a wonderful way to, you know, to give back. And mm-hmm. um, bibliotherapy. I, I work with a group in uh, Seattle called the Pongo Group, which 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 was basically there to prompt teens and trauma in institutions and who had been uh, abused and all the rest to get them to write poetry. And I did mm-hmm. this for a couple of years and I worked very closely with bibliotherapists, but I'm not a therapist, so I had to work with the, as a uh, facilitator. So mm-hmm. I got to understand poetry as healing, you know, and, indeed. And I found that's a very, very uh, intense uh, purpose of poetry today, especially in the COVID period, people were mm-hmm. bleeding. And so they mm-hmm. used poetry as healing. And that's and in that respect, you know, poetry is it releases the, uh, you know, all, all of that, all of that pain and 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 and, uh, and aloneness. So it, it's it hurt it hurts to write, but it's a beautiful pain because that oh, poet, cool. that, that 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 you know that that giving out and that bleeding okay. onto the word and finding through metaphor some type of a truth is like none other. So. Uh, in so a sense, is, so uh, is, it's kind of a duplicitous, duplicitous <laughs> answer. Yeah. Let me get in there. <laughs> Please let me get in there. You got it, <laughs> So then you're saying, this is the question. Is a poem yeah. letting your guard down or building a wall? Well, I should certainly think uh, you don't. I should certainly think it's letting you, in that respect, I think it's letting your guard down. Uh, you, I don't think you want to build a wall and create a barrier between yourself and the reader. I think that's in a sense uh, one of the problems of modern of modern poetry is that a lot of poets hide behind the poem, wow. and it's okay. Uh, my intent of this poem was to say this, and everybody else interpreted it like that. But that's okay. At least they got something from the poem. Mm-hmm. And my answer to that is no. <laughs> You're writing with an intent. Uh, if, if you're writing about your girlfriend and somebody thinks you're writing about your dog, I don't think it's a successful poem. Uh, so in that respect, no, yeah, I think it's important to uh, not hide behind the poem. You know, I was going to share with you that I taught some classes at Oregon State University in play therapy. And uh, it's a, a different paradigm, but it's growing more popular every day. So what are you trying to communicate with your art? Hmm. Well, the first thing is that you called it my art. And that's, uh, I think, a very big compliment. And that's what I think it is. All right. It's it's an art. I mean, so I'm I'm trying to communicate the same way uh, other art does, uh, even though we're using words, but it's to uh, create a universe of imagination. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that that's that 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 shares something intimate, something universal, and something timeless, something magical. Let's flesh that out. What does being creative 
mean to you? I really want to know. This is fascinating. Huh. Well, a good maxim is that creativity comes as a result of uh, a dis- a disconnected uh, realities, right? Or co- contradictory realities is what, the, what it is. So, you know, uh, because the, and, and all of the realities we have, um, good realities, have contradictions in them. And when you explore those contradictions, creativity comes, comes, with the, comes out somehow. Wow, very nice, very nice. You know, when we write, I know when I write, there's some doubt that poetry can do what I want it to do. So for you, where does your poetic doubt begin and where does it end? You've been writing for a long time. Yeah. Well, hmm. I guess the the doubt uh, comes in um, more on the on the larger scale of uh, of what does it mean to be a success as a poet? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what what is it we're looking to do? Uh, we're, we're, do we all want to be Shakespeare or or Milton <laughs> or mm-hmm. some tenant in the uh, in 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 that? Which is highly unlikely, of course. Maybe one a century, if that many. I mean, and, and due to the uh, the public current public recognition of poetry, in which if you ask most people in America to name a living poet, they'll tell you Edgar Allan Poe. Right? Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, so you know my you know part of it is that you know um, the the purpose of what I'm doing is to such a small community. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it, that makes me, you know, in, in a sense, I mean, we're, yes, but the other, and then I put on the other shoe saying that it might be a small, oops, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, it might sorry. be a small connection. Oh, television alarm went off. So, so the, uh, you know, the, uh, you, you know, I'm sorry, I just lost my train of thought. I shut that off. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> I lose my mind. That happens when you're over 70, yeah. <laughs> and 60, and 60. <laughs> okay. But did, did, did that make sense what I just said then? It did. It really did. Yeah. And it made me wonder if there was another era that you could have lived in, which one would it have been? Oh. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, 1850 to 1929, 1930. Perfect. What happened? Talk to me. Oh, wow. Well, that was just at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. Everything was new and everything everything was creative. The world was all of a sudden got pushed into first gear uh, Mm -hmm. with with the spread of the Industrial Revolution and all of the discovery that was happening at at it. accelerated pace but it was still the world was still naive enough to uh to have to have uh, its its natural beauty and then your mm-hmm. Paul Gauguin was possible you know okay. it's just no longer possible and uh well, and and things like that it was, it was a great time of creativity and music uh in in art you know from the from the impressionists through the symbolists through the, you know all the rest of the stuff that came through until the early 20s in literature and music, it was just a bombastic time filled with World War One, a lot of other bad stuff. But you know, it uh, that particular yeah. time to me was a great well, time. <laughs> well, why are poets different from other people? How are uh, they? I think if because they true poets, if they true poets, they're over here. Yeah, yeah. If I had How to answer that, I would say. True, true poets to me have a certain have a different level of compassion because they understand the grief. Uh, there's a certain grief and sorrow just in living, you know, just as a result yes. of you know the and all that, and they and 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 of and of all the and of all the stuff that happens in life besides all the joy that happens in life. I think mm-hmm. that because of the the metaphor of that imaginary universe has opened them up to a larger passion. A lot of passion to share, to share grief and or joy. What makes you different? This is the micro question from other poets. Huh. Uh, well, you share well, it with the yeah, arts. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I do. I don't. I do think I have. Uh, I have a variety of voices, mm-hmm. and in each and in each particular voice, 
I just try to be, um, you know, that uh, Ziggy Marley song, you know, got to be true to yourself. Right. I, I try, I just try as much not to, uh, to avoid, to, to avoid cliche and to put my own personal stamp on okay. what I write as much as I, as much as I can. Um, All right. I didn't so they, ask yeah. you, I didn't ask you whether you come from a literary background or not. And what did you learn yeah. about writing growing up? Yeah, no, I did not actually. Um, although my dad was an, uh, a, a, just barely you know, graduated high school. My 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 folks were uh, kids of immigrants that came in the early part of the century and grew up very uh, lower uh, low lower class in Brooklyn at the time. And uh, but my dad picked up from his father also love of music, okay. of classical music. And he blasted that stuff all throughout my life, and then he became a bit of a beatnik uh, in, in his later. Right. He became a bit of a beatnik, as it were. So I, I had I had to do something artistic to emulate. But my parents were not at all. My, my parents were not literary at all. My mom didn't read very much at all, and uh, and dad didn't read too much. So, so how did he take over? How did he take over you? I don't know. Um, I think after um, by the second year in college. I just remember going up and down up to City College uh, with books of poetry, and just um, it just hit me. I was uh, immersed by then. I was reading a lot of Alvin Feynman, and uh, a lot of the beat poets had really spoke to me, and uh, kind of liberated me from that uh, you know that that black and white uh, '50s sitcom that we used to watch, you know, well, and the, that well, got that kind of pure, that kind of you know, the kind of nonsense from the '50s that that uh, the you know all, all of the propaganda stuff of how to well, how to live. <laughs> what what color is poetry? Huh. As you are, A Z U R E. That's why they paid me the big bucks, man. You know, <laughs> that's why they although, paid me the big bucks. Yeah, that was belongs to that, that kind of belongs to Baudelaire, but you can use it. You can tackle it. You can you can handle it. You are the man with right. the guitar, remember? Yeah. What color is it? Yeah, I do. I do play. I do. By the way, you think of one. I do. I do. By the way, I said you think of a color, and I'll think of a color. What color is it? What color do you think poetry is? (laughs) No, you can't do it like that. (laughs) You're the guest. (laughs) The guest. I would have to say. I would have. I would have to. I think azure blue is. If I had to look for a color, I mean that's just Mm -hmm. one of my favorites. Okay. I'm thinking (laughs) an (laughs) all. An off brown, not real brown, mm. but just there's a tinge of light, a beautiful, beautiful stone. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's where I am today. Because well, that's in, the, that's, in the, that's, a, that, that's in the fourth rung of the paradiso. The seventh rung is as, as Azor, you see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to Dante, right? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think your work conveys about the human condition? Hmm. I think that that's an interesting question, my lord. I think the complexity, mm-hmm. the, the the paradox of it being both a comp, uh, the complexity of everything and the absolute simpleness of everything at the same time, mm-hmm. it's kind of yin and yang that kind of coexist. Uh, in, 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 and that to me is a, that's, you know, that's, that's what makes it sane, I suppose. Huh. Interesting question. Well, you know, man, there's so much happening in this world. There's the good, the bad, the ugly, as well as the indifferent. Yeah. Tough world sometimes. What do you sure. view as being the What do you view as being the role of a poet in modern day society? Hmm. Well, as, as we, we we all know that famous quote from from Auden, you know, uh, that you know, poetry makes nothing happen. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's not really true. Uh, the, I think, like, as poetry changes. And takes on new forms such as hip hop and rap. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. they're they're legitimate forms of poetry by all means, and um, they have transformed the world. 
no matter where I, where I go in the world, you hear it. And, mm-hmm. it's, and so it, it has transformed the way this generation sees poetry, sees words, and to some extent, you know, uh, sees truth. And so I think in that, in that respect, your know, poetry can change. I think Auden is not necessarily right. Poetry can change things uh, in its own little subtle way. I know that's a heavy question. Very heavy. Yeah. You know, they say... The, the, poetry, see- the poetry of the Vietnam War certainly changed mm-hmm. the way I felt about the Vietnam War back then. There was a lot of anti-war poetry going on. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and that certainly affected me very much and, uh, you know, helped turn me around and, you know, and, and all that. And I was uh, very engaged in the anti-war movement back in the, mm-hmm. you know, the 60s. Yeah. Yeah, I commend you for that because a lot of people didn't participate. But, you know, they say yeah. that the world with complete honesty, to see the world with complete honesty, one should look to comedians, musicians, Artists and poets, what do you think emerges naturally from real work? What emerges from you, Mark? Hmm. You know, I followed for many years, and I still have tremendous uh, reverence for uh, for Krishnamurti, Judah Krishnamurti as the philosopher. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, Krishnamurti, you know, kind of taught me uh, in in a way. How to, how to feel that question you just asked, mm-hmm. um, in which, you know, as a, as a person, we, we exist for relationship. I mean, that's, that's the purpose of our being, is, is relationship. We can't exist in a cave, in a fakir, you know, and, you know, meditating on a mountain. And so, it's, it, to me, it's, it's, all about, it's all about that sharing, that moment when it, when it works. Mm-hmm. Let me get the question again and, and, and relate this to it, because that just came to mind. Let me answer the question it, better. Yeah. What, what if it doesn't work in terms of the relationship? How does poetry fit into that? In, in a relationship with people? I mean, a, a, yes. A, you said a that, that relationships, that you said relationships oh, no, are I, primary. I, I, I meant I didn't mean necessarily relationships of, uh, of romantic relationships oh, okay. at all. I'm, I'm, okay. I, I'm, I mean, just re- the fact that we share, you and I are having this relationship mm-hmm. right now. Yes. There's relationship yes. in that. And, um, and, and, and that's re- that relationship is, is, the, is the golden vein for uh, you know, for for for, for poets, you know, mm. to catch that 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 moment of of communion when you know that you're reaching somebody, you know, in a poem mm. in such a way that cannot be done any other way. Wow! It has a it has a magical well, moment. Does knowing that your poems are published and you published five books and out there in the world validate your being a poet, or are you content knowing mm. that out of your system? No, I mean publishing for me is an issue. Uh, in as much as there are no more, there are no bookstores anymore. Yes. <laughs> I yes. live in Chicago. There are like ten bookstores, and only three of them have a poetry section, and they're not even that good. There's one good, there's one good poetry bookstore in the city of three, four million people. Mm-hmm. And there used to be, like in Paris, you know, there was a bookstore every every other block. Or in New York, when I grew up, there was you know was hundreds of independent bookstores. That's where you went to hang out, the bookstore. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> the part of the problem of publishing is that you know. Uh, there's now, you know, it is, there's, there's, there's so much publishing going on and so little access to find the book, to go mm-hmm. in, to go in, into a bookstore and to and, and to look at it, and all that. And then, you know, all these journals and anthologies that we all publish and we all get in and get our names as we publish in this anthology. Who reads them? And, uh, sometimes I I feel that in being in a, in a mic in a, in a Zoom meeting, in mm-hmm. a Zoom open mic. And reading mm-hmm. to us to a crowd of twenty people, if I'm getting to four or five people, that's that's where poetry lives. That's and, and if I can go into a room and read in front of people and find that, that I made that connection, that's where poetry poetry really truly lives for me right now. Uh, whether or not the you know yeah we'd like to think that the you know somehow would become well, you know Ocean Vuong and all the rest and that's wonderful for Ocean Vuong, but you know it's a there's, America doesn't have room to know. You know more than one or two poets in a given in a given generation, wow. you know. So it's just what there, it is. There we, do it, we do it for there, the love. There are people out there who view or think that poetry is 
is dying. How would you counter that? Because as I listen to you, poetry is a vibrant thing, a beautiful yeah. thing, something that can live on. So talk to me, please. Oh, sure. Well, that to, that to me is, a, is the whole rap and, and hip-hop generation. Okay. Okay. And 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 stage and 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 stage poetry. You know, there, there is, there will be right now. I mean, that we look at two types of poetry: stage poetry and page poetry, and mm-hmm. all that. And there are there are voices coming in that that are doing both, that are both you know that are able to both be well performed poets in the in the modern form of performance, and these amazing amazing videos that the generations mm-hmm. are making with the poems, with with the video, with the uh, audio, with the visuals, and all this. Uh, stuff is just spectacular with the words, but at the mm-hmm. same time, the word there are artists out there that I find from time to time that transcend and are able to just like there are certain lyricists like Dylan that transcend good good song and music with poetry. They become mm-hmm. poetry on their own, and so I think poetry does live. It does live on. It's changing, and it, as it always changes, the past generation, you know, puts. Some parts of it will always, you know, just put their nose on it and all the rest. <laughs> but no, I look, I look, you know, I look, uh, I look at that as thank God that somebody's came and saved poetry because the beats <laughs> ended up coming to save poetry in the fifties, and this is just another variation, right? So, in terms of the book, I'd like you to share with us the titles of five poems. Just any five poems. Of the title? Yes. Oh, if you time okay. Sure. Well, uh, well, from part one. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Um, Trumpy is trash. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> now, I'm sorry. <laughs> the, answer, the, whole, the whole shit and laugh. Kate, Kate, well, yeah. uh, Cape May afternoon, which is an interesting poem. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Trumpius, uh, ways to stay safe from the virus. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> a father, a father at the acquitting of a cop killing. Um, oh. <laughs> Gotta gotta the USA. You don't play around. <laughs> you don't play around. <laughs> so for you, what role does the, does the title play? In your work, oh uh, well, uh, you know, it's just that these are basically reflections, mm-hmm. and uh, and the idea of, of, of this emperor, uh, this this character, this Roman, this Roman emperor, this Caligula that we got here, um, mm-hmm. it just uh, kind of makes. I, I try to put it into perspective. Uh, there's a lot of references in a lot of the poems to ancient Rome. To Marcus Aurelius, who was also the who was also the emperor, great emperor, probably the best mm-hmm. ever, uh, uh, who was the emperor during the, uh, the 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 pandemic in in Rome in the in the second century, and mm-hmm. uh, and other and I, I refer to the Satyricon and Petronius a lot uh, as the poet. I refer to myself as you know Emulpus, the the, um, the the poet character in the Satyricon by Petronius, uh, because these are times very much like Roman times. I mean the mobs, the mob, and the and and all the rest going on, and uh, it's it's so I, I use that as a you know metaphorically, mm-hmm. so that was uh, Trump the idea of just calling them Trumpians like that just kind of fit you know fit the hair. Well, are, are you hoping this book will resonate with a broad range of readers, or are you targeting a specific audience? No, this book in particular, I thought of all the books that I have out, this mm-hmm. was towards a general reader. There are some poems in here which are more, a little bit more academic and, 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 and would require, you know, a certain academic approach, but the majority of the poems are accessible without being over cliche or overly, um, you know, sing-songy and, you know, and, 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 and all that. And, um, and, 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 and the emotion in a lot of the poems is there. It's, it's an accessible, it's an accessible book. So I was, Thinking that well after after he you know after the election I thought well this would be this would be great give it a year or two and everybody have it, you know let everybody get over this guy and then this book may have some you know actually be yes. a, a way for me to make a larger a larger entry into the uh, American poetry scene because if this book were to be a success mm-hmm. and go viral uh, you know uh, as as a as a statement of these times 
and there are a lot of there's a lot of good poems in here, I think. Then maybe mm-hmm. I get publishers interested in me, and I could you know actually you know publish the other the other tenets of my work, because mm-hmm. uh, the, I don't think the the, the 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 public the larger public doesn't have a very large appetite you know for another poem talking about death and and and, and grief <laughs> and all the rest yeah. of the stuff that we approach and all well, that. Well, I sense when I listen to you, you talk like that, a sense of frustration. Uh, well, to some extent, I think all of us poets. Uh, have a certain amount of frustration uh, mm-hmm. about being poets. Uh, recently, reading the works of Juvenal, the, uh, okay. the satirist in the uh, in Roman times, pretty much the same. Not much has changed. <laughs> in that <respect>. well, <laughs> well, let me ask this: Has your idea of what poetry is and what poetry can do changed since you began writing poetry? Because you've been writing oh, yeah. for a long time. Talk to me. Yeah, I know, I know, I, I know that I've influenced uh, through my workshop and mm-hmm. through, uh, well, basically, uh, they used to do the workshop live in D.C. before COVID, and then afterwards went online, and I know that I've inspired a lot of people to, to write, and I, went, I, I also give lectures on, on poetry. I, I gave a couple at East West University here in Chicago and everything, which I just go into the room and just talk about poetry to, the, to them and read a couple yeah. of poems and just... And, and, and all that. And this is mostly exchange students and everything. And I, and the response I get is that I never realized that I could enjoy poetry. And of course <laughs> you can, you know. So that's how I want to teach it. You know, that's how I, mm-hmm. right now I mentioned I'm going back to college. I, yes, you know, I, didn't, yes. I never got my master's. So I never got my master's degree from mm-hmm. the Subban. And then I got involved in life. And so here I am. Yeah. I just kind of retired from being a screen printer. And after I was a screen printer, I was a screen print consultant. I went around the world for 20 years went wow. all the countries and taught everybody how to screen print. And now I'm retired and all that. And, okay, what am I going to do with this poetry? I want to teach. I want to <laughs> teach young people. And, I, and in order to teach, you need a master's degree. You just, it's just like, you know, in order to be a dentist, you need a, you know, you need, or to be a lawyer, you need to pass the bar. So I'm going for the master's and I'll, you know, I'll be like 75 when I go and try to teach uh, and open up to teach again. And uh, mm-hmm. good, um, you know. And so uh, hopefully I'll make some larger influence in people's lives for, mm-hmm. for 10 years to come and take it from there. So that's well, my goal is were, to, connect, to connect. Yeah. Well, if you were, if someone was there to purchase your book, what, what advice would you give them about reading that particular book before they buy? Oh, oh, and this one is just, uh, just, just, uh, to keep it, to keep, to keep, to keep an open mind and that each, as it says in the, um, uh, in, in, you know, in the introduction, that each poem was written in real time mm-hmm. and that this was how we felt. And some of the emotions that I felt uh, did not come to pass. Some of the fears that I had, didn't, we did not have World War Three, you know, and all that. Yes. And some of the other things that I feared were, came out to be worse. But whatever mm-hmm. it may be, uh, the, uh, I would just tell them to keep, to keep an open mind and try to feel this book in 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 historical way of how it felt different than it feels today unfortunately mm-hmm. that can't be yet because today it feels the same as it did then <laughs> but hope you know, <laughs> you know we've we've almost reached the you end know, of our poetry we can't, can't, we can't get rid of this guy yeah he's got a few more questions then you could go <laughs> sure <laughs> I love hearing you laugh, Michael. It's great. (laughs) Writers and poets write for a myriad of reasons. Some write primarily to speak a message to an audience. Others write because staying silent is not an option. Mark, why do you write? Yeah, um, I'm more on the T.S. Eliot side of that. I'm I'm writing. I'm writing for with with that that person who I'm writing to is a larger is a larger audience Mm -hmm. outside myself. I'm writing. I'm writing for myself, wow. but it is it is to it is a larger audience. Yeah. Well, do you rather than you were... to just write for myself in a, in a that to me is a again we need relationship. We write to mm-hmm. share. I, I really wow, feel sweet. that we write to share, and and, and mm-hmm. it's something you, you, you I encourage people to do. You know, it doesn't matter what level you're writing on, share your work. Wow. You know, so nice. Uh, and get it out there. You know. I've got to ask before we go. Do you think you were meant to be a poet? <laughs> yeah, I don't have any religion really, so I think mm-hmm. I needed this. Mm-hmm. 
my 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 my, parent, my my dad especially was was uh, was was not not at all religious, even though his parents were, and the generations before them. And uh, you need, I mean, for me, it's a it's a spiritual journey, and I needed wow. something, and I needed a spiritual a spiritual journey, and and this was it for me. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't the religious way. So maybe they're one and the same. So what surprises like, you? Like, <laughs> so what? Yeah. Surpri- <laughs> okay, let me let me say. So what surprises you most about being a poet? Uh, how? Oh well. What surprises you, my friend? Oh, I suppose that's a, such such an interesting question. Well. What surprises me most about being a poet is just any, that any nugget, guess, any nugget of truth, any nugget of truth. I guess, I guess, I guess, I guess it's when every once in a while mm-hmm. I read my work and I actually like it. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Not often, but when it does, it makes me. It fills me with great joy. So that's the only way I can put it. <laughs> I love that. Would you favor us with one more? Do you have just one more you can share? One poem. Mm-hmm. To bring everything um, full circle. Bring everything full circle. Okay, sure. Uh, let me look it up right here. Uh, let me see. Um, other, uh, fate. Let me look up fate. Okay. 20 poems. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just having a, just trying to. I, I didn't. I didn't know you were going to ask that, so I'm just looking for it here. And take a second, okay? <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I'm <that's> straight. <laughs> well, I just thought. You know what? Let me just. Let me just. More. I'll just take it. I'll just take it from the book. Rather than look around, I'll yes. take it from the book Kaleidoscope Kaleidoscope <laughs> Poetry, which mm-hmm. I um. Which is part of the, the collection of the Poetry Global Network that I'm associated with, which is quite another a whole other story. Here, to you, reader, we have just met. We are in a black room with this poem. All doors are closed. There are no windows or cracks. It is, in a way, like a coffin. We are comfortable. Our bodies are dressed in soft cloth, and we are neither hungry nor thirsty tired or bored. You do not know if I am from north or south. You do not even know the century I am living in, or if this is written in a native tongue when translated to yours. You do not know if I am male or female, young or old, my race or what gods my people invent. Now a lamplight is shadowless on this page like a star among a billion galaxies that by chance or fate is our sun. So on this plentiful planet where time matters, we can begin to communicate in this dead silent space. I will offer my poems and only beg of you to tell me who I am. Wow. So if poetry was banned tomorrow, what would you do instead, my friend, to express yourself? Because to me, you're like... (laughs) A genie in a jar <laughs> that wants to go out of the car. <laughs> like you, you, you have well, to. Well, that's, uh... that's, that's a hype, such a hypothetical question that scares the hell out of me. But I suppose, I suppose I always have, I always do have music. Uh, I am. Uh, I've been playing classical music now for and and jazz and samba and a variety of other styles for well, you know, well over fifty years. And wow. I'm one of the many, many thousands of wonderfully talented guitarists you can watch on YouTube. It seems like never ending. Uh, in, a, in this world of 8 billion people, there must be a million great guitarists. And so I'm I mean, a good guitarist. I'm we a, never I'm a, talked I'm about a very, Yeah, I'm an well, unrefined guitarist, but you know, I'm not Juilliard level or anything like that. So We never talked about... We never talked we never talked about the relationship between music and poetry. Got anything quick? Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, only very quickly is that, um, you know, I wrote songs when I was in college and all that, but then I got right into the poetry, and I've always found them disconnected. When I, read, okay. when I give a, a, a reading, when I do a reading, I very often play a little piece, um, half a minute, you know, before the poem to set up the poem, and I play, a, play in a variety of different styles. Yes. Uh, but I don't, but I don't um, I, I, and that's the only way I find my music is connected to my poetry. When I, mm-hmm. when I play music, the goal for me is to stop thinking words, mm-hmm. get away from words. The only thing that gets the words out of my head, these damn words, they don't stop these sentences, you know, mm-hmm. and music stops that for me. And so in that respect, that's why I love it. And for poetry, <laughs> well, it's the exact opposite, it's to find the music in words, you know. <laughs> Where can we buy the book? Oh, it's on Amazon and then and in in, in in a couple of bookstores. It's on it's available through Ingram. Um mm-hmm. but it's also on Amazon. Just look on under Reflections of the Time of Trumpius Maximus, you see it right there. Right. Where do you go from here? What's next for you creatively? Oh, for me next yeah, well I'm involved very much uh with Poetry Global Network on um, on the on the board, we do workshops and uh, all kinds of other stuff uh, monthly. So we're doing, we're, we're all going to be performing at the Singapore Poetry Festival in, at the end of the month and a variety of oh. other places. I do hybrid, I do hybrid events. Uh, I like that. That keeps me very busy. And I also do workshops and invite people to, to, uh, to do workshops on different subjects and different poets. And it's been working out very nicely. And going back to school, it's going to take two years while I'm there. I'll probably going to be, uh, I've already requested to be editor of the school journal, which I think should work out. And, uh-huh. uh, and keep myself, <laughs> keep myself uh, certainly busy with that. And um, and ultimately, <laughs> maybe try to publish a little bit, you know, in the next couple we of never, years we, as well. Finally, I'm getting older, you know. Last um, thing, we that, never really talked about Planet Poetry 28. What does that mean? Yeah, the, what's different is I realized on Zoom uh, early on that mm-hmm. while using share the share screen, by putting your poem on the screen and then scrolling down and reading it, it's a tremendous advantage. That you could see, you, you you know, it's very hard. Most poets don't read that well. I'm not sure I read that well. You and, do. Uh, nice, and, nice, nice voice. Uh, well, it, it, it's difficult. I mean, I've been trying very hard for the last couple of years to get to get my reading a little bit out of poetry voice and a little bit more, you know, to be mm-hmm. uh, to be heard and, and to be enjoyed. But uh, when you see the poem and the craft that went into it with the poet reading their in their in their words their poem. You get distracted for a second. You can find yourself your way back into the poem. You can appreciate the craft that went into this particular piece. So Planet Poetry 28 is only for share filing. Everybody that goes there reads as many, they're invited poets and, and open mic poets, but you have to share your poem so we can see it as you're reading it. And it's a very wow. unique event, and it, and it brings on a very mature and sophisticated crowd because to do so, you have to be somewhat of a dedicated poet. You're going to let your mm-hmm. work be seen. In that mm-hmm. respect, and I get a wonderful response. Global, I have a global community that comes in and, and, and joins us on the 28th day of every month, at a different times for different time zones. I sometimes put it in morning, sometimes afternoon. Because through the Poetry Global Network, I have a huge connection with poets from all the continents, and um, and it's a, to me, it's a love. It's on its third year right now. You can see any of them on YouTube. Just go Planet Poetry 28 YouTube, and you know you'll okay. see us. Uh, that's, there's 30 or 40 of them there, you know. They all they're broadcasting for them. This is a great place. Doing, to, I guess. <laughs> this is yeah. a great place to end. <laughs> yeah, you I enjoy this so much. I love your laugh. I mean, I'm so happy I was, I was able to get some joy out of you like that. It's great. It gives me good joy. I enjoyed listening to you because I learned so much. You're a remarkable man. <laughs> Well, you are too. You are too for doing this. You are too for doing this. I realize how hard it is to do it. How the dedication you do to be doing this as long and as well as you do. So, uh, here's a hats off to you, Michael. I don't hear a lot of accolades. Get a lot of accolades. So, thank you. Thank you you very much. You bet. And thank you, Michael. It's been wonderful talking. (laughs) Share with us. Yes. Share with us the title of the book, of the book again. Yes. It's Reflections in the Time of Trumpius Maximus. T-R-U-M-P-I-U-S. Trumpius <laughs> <laughs> Maximus. And the cover is extremely striking. 
All right. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> okay. The good atmosphere people. press put in a good one. Yeah. We've made it through another. <laughs> there you go. Good for you, this was, Michael. <laughs> this was a fool. Okay. <laughs> I'll, no be, I'll be listening tonight. in. I'll be, I'll be looking forward to your, your future podcast, listening in. All yeah. right. There was no fluff here tonight. This is the real deal. All right. You got it. As I, sh- <laughs> As I share with you every time we're together, let poetry ring mm-hmm. somewhere throughout the land. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Good night. Do that. There's some music. Hello? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I just, I just, are you, are you, should I just hang up? Yes, this is it. This is it. Okay, you got to take care. Bye-bye. All right. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.